0: the truth news network fake news equity inclusion words that are all the buzz you do know what buzz is right it's noise and that's where we're headed a culture of noise more concerned with the topicality of the noise than the substance of the truth well We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And you're in luck. The anti-Buzzmaster is in. Dan Newman.
1: Doesn't that sound just about exactly what it is, Buzz? I mean, we don't know what's true and what's not, but we hear a lot of things, don't we? And boy, when you turn the lights on in the kitchen, what happens? The roaches scramble for cover. They are scrambling and have been for some time. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Yep, we're after it on this Tuesday morning. Tuesday always means Steve Baker, our investigative journalist, is going to be with us in our second hour. I got a note from him about an hour ago that said he's in a a meeting back in D.C., and he's not exactly sure how long it will take. As quickly as he finishes there, he'll give me a jingle, and we'll put him on the air whatever time that is. But until then, And even if he's not able to make it, folks, we have some really, really important things to talk to you about. Among those you're going to hear from this morning, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And he's going to talk about one thing that we have been waiting for. Millions of Americans have been waiting for. What would that be? A conversation about potential impeachment proceedings against not just one person, not just two people, not just three people. But it's almost like it's a crowd of people that need to be considered to be impeached by this Congress. I know that may be a reach for some people. And honestly, let me just say this, looking back, with you this morning, and thinking through the two impeachments of Donald Trump, and you look at what has happened that has been verified, that has happened in this administration, and not just the White House. Look at the southern border. Look at Alejandro Mayorkas. Look at the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, who pretty much is, without question, caught lying more than once, under oath, speaking to the United States Congress. These people have got to be held accountable for what they do, what they say, and what they don't do. And when you're in the executive branch of government, the only way to remove somebody, well, in the case of Alejandro Mayorkas and Merrick Garland, they were both appointed, both confirmed, but they were hired by the CEO. Who would that be? Joe Biden. The CEO of any company can fire anybody that's an employee. Other than that, we the people, our voice, if it's not being represented by those that go to Washington, D.C., and they promise you and I when they are running for election that they're going to represent us, they're going to do what we the people want them to do, if they make a decision not to do those things, the only way around that is if you can get a majority in the House of Representatives where every impeachment proceeding must begin to agree on specific allegations against any one of those men. And then the tough part is to prove it. And then the really tough part is if there's going to be a trial with the evidence that the House of Representatives turned up in their impeachment look-see, they send it over to the Senate, and the Senate has sole authority to determine if they're even going to try that person that was impeached by the House of Representatives. Well, you know, that's that's a really hard thing to do, Dan. And you know what? It should be a hard thing to do. But in this case, and I was alive when the last, um, I guess, threatened impeachment of a president happened. And he didn't get impeached because he agreed to resign, and he resigned, Richard Nixon. What happened in the Watergate debacle back in the early 70s doesn't come close to what we already know factually happened at the behest of Joe Biden. And I'm not talking about the stuff we have yet to see confirmed, I'm talking about just the things that we know are actually real perpetrated by this president, Joe Biden, and even when he was vice president. The love of money is the root of all evil. Don't ever forget that. That's great wisdom, and it's factual. And the other thing is we always reap what we sow. What seeds you put in the ground, no matter where it is or what it is, it's going to grow every time, and it's going to become exactly what it was when you planted it in the ground. Facts matter, not hypotheses, not rumors, facts. So we're going to get into all that, and I'm going to let you listen in to MSNBC, a panel with their great wisdom, trying to puzzle through and find out what these Republicans think they're going to do to Joe Biden. But let's start the day with a happy little ditty, how about
2: this hit that ice cold? Michelle, fight for that white cold. This one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight me, Styling, violent, living it up in the city. Got junk song with saying the wrong. Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty. Huh. Too hot, too hot. Caught a police and a fireman. I'm too hot, too hot. Make a dragon walk. and break it down. Girls, hit your hallelujah. Girls, hit your hallelujah. Girls, hit your hallelujah. Sometimes I'm gonna give it to you. Sometimes I'm gonna...
3: we leave,
4: let me tell y'all a little something,
2: Uptown Funk you up, Uptown Funk you up, I said Uptown Funk you up, Uptown Funk you up, come on dance, jump on it, if you're sexy then flown it, if you free yeah, then own it, don't brag about it, come show me, come on dance, jump on it, if you're sexy then flaunt it, if you free yeah, then own it, don't brag about me. come show me. Come on, man.
1: get up and dance a jig? Did you beat on your steering wheel while you were listening to that version of Uptown Funk? I get all kinds of calls and texts every time I play one of these, this artist's songs. That's Tim Akers, A-K-E-R-S, and the smoking section. Now, let me tell you who they are. They're just a studio group. These are people that you've heard numerous times In backgrounds, on albums, not just that kind of album, country album, all kinds of music. Tim Akers is known as the best music producer in Nashville. And if you ever get to Nashville, make sure you check the entertainment section of the paper because there are several clubs around Nashville where these guys go on Friday and Saturday night and play and sing. And they're incredible. Tim Akers. In the smoking section. What a way to get started. I guarantee you, my buddy James Posey, a drummer, really good drummer, he must not be listening this morning because he would have already texted me once or twice about Tim Akers in that song. Wow, what a big day we have. Lots of things to talk about. Sorry, but a bunch of it is not real positive, but it's factual. And, Going into that song, I told you one of the things I want you to listen to, and we're not going to listen to it right now. It'll be a little later in the show. This panel from MSNBC, when you hear them, and it's a group of people, it's about four or five people, and they're going to pontificate on impeachment that was voiced for the first time by anybody in the Republican Party yesterday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, oh, these people went absolutely nuts. And this is on MSNBC's Morning Joe show. Morning Joe. Two of the, the hosts of the Morning Joe show. Two of the least qualified people to be in news and certainly to be on television that I've ever seen. I don't know who they have naked pictures of. Somebody hired them and keeps them there. There's got to be a reason. It's not because they're good journalists or it's not because they are honest journalists for sure. So we're going to get into that. Let me just do something before. Nobody in the Biden administration really wants to dig into our economic issues right now. Oh, they tell us, look at what we've done to inflation. It was horrible when we came into office. No, it was hardly existent when you became president, Joe, and you, because of all the money you have spent arbitrarily with your big, 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 big spending deals, flooded the market with cash, and that is always, always has led to inflation. And you're still spending money, and you're wanting more money. Now, wait a minute. A president... Administration, they can't just go out and spend money. Congress controls the spending. Well, it's supposed to be that way constitutionally. But Joe Biden and whoever it is that's pulling his puppet strings from backstage, you know, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, whoever is putting this all together, what we're seeing and hearing from the White House every day, they don't give a rip. They don't care. Facts don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. They're doing what they want to do and what they're getting by doing. And they're not going to stop until we the people stop them. Joe Biden is definitely not going to stop them. So just looking at our business situation, the real business situation, standards and poor, S&P, you hear that term all the time, a flash. Composite from purchasing managers and index that gives you kind of a foretelling of what's just ahead. That index plummeted one and a half points down to 52 in July. Services weaker than expected, manufacturing stronger, but manufacturing, even though it's a little bit stronger than the previous month, June, it's still in negative territory. Joe Biden's out there. He's trumpeting the fact he's brought back all kind of manufacturing operations. There are none here. There are none. If you heard him last week get out and he did in a speech, he told people all kinds of things. We're bringing this massive wind farm to the East Coast and it's going to bring billions of dollars of manufacturing back to the U.S. Guess what? None of that's true. If they ordered all of that equipment for that wind farm, and I pray they don't because we won't have a whale in the Atlantic Ocean if they keep killing them with their wind farms. But if the orders were there, we don't have the manufacturing facilities in the U.S. to make those wind farm pieces of equipment. We don't have it. And we don't have the people. We've got jobs open and people won't go to work because they're making money. The federal government is still paying people not to work. And he wants to brag about all of this good stuff. It's not real. The measure looking one year into the future also, this is from the same report, deteriorated sharply and it's painting a darkening picture of the economy. The Manufacturing Activity Index, it rose to 49 from 46.3 in June. That's the highest score in three months, and beating even the most optimistic forecast. The Output Index for Manufacturing rose to 50, and that's a two-month high. The Activity Index for the Services Sector, however, it declined to 52 from 54. That's the lowest reading in five months. The output index for services fell 1.2 percentage points to 52, also a five-month low. So let's bring this all to a head. I mean, these are all just gobbledygook numbers to most of us. After businesses reported a surge in cost inflation, cost inflation. In other words, all the goods and supplies they have to put together to sell to us there was another big surge in that inflation number in June. The rate of increase in total input prices did soften a bit in July. But inflation on what businesses charge for their products and services it went up again as firms sought to pass on higher costs And higher interest rate payments, thank you, Uncle Joe, passing all that along to who? Consumers. That's the way the free market system works. July is seeing an unwelcome combination of slower economic growth, weaker job creation, gloomier business confidence, and sticky inflation. That's from Chris Williamson, Chief Business Economist at S&P Global Market Intelligence. And he added, now listen to this. This is about two paragraphs, and I'm going to quote him. I don't want to get out of context. But listen to the overall theme of what this expert is telling us. And by the way, this guy's not a Republican. He said, the overall rate of output growth measured across manufacturing and services is consistent with GDP expanding at an annualized quarterly rate of about 1.5% at the start of the third quarter. That's down from 2% the pace that was signaled by the survey in the second quarter this year. However, growth is being entirely driven by the service sector, and in particular, rising spending from international clients, which is helping offset a becalmed manufacturing sector an increasingly subdued demand from U.S. households and businesses. Did you get that last part of that last sentence? Subdued demand from U.S. households and U.S. businesses. I'll come back to that in a second. He said, furthermore, business optimism about the year ahead outlook has deteriorated sharply to the lowest seen so far this year. The darkening picture adds downside risk to output growth in the coming months, which, alongside the slowing in the pace of expansion in July, will keep alive fear that the U.S. economy may yet succumb to another downturn before the year is out. The stickiness of price pressures, meanwhile, remains a big concern. As a survey index of selling prices has acted as a reliable leading indicator of consumer price inflation, anticipating the easing to 3% in June, it sends a whirring signal that further falls in the rate of inflation below 3% may prove elusive in the near term. Now, what does all this mean? Everything that the president's out there and stumping with He was speaking in front of a massive uh, labor union rally Friday night when he just went on and on and on about how great everything is and we're doing this and manufacturing's back. None of that's true. There will be manufacturing if this wind farm thing happens and if any other business expansion happens. But the way Joe has left everything or is leaving everything after his first term as president Nobody in the United States is being hired to manufacture anything because we're buying it all from China. And he doesn't want to say that. Have you looked at the China, our deficit with China? Nobody's talking about it. You know why? It's up dramatically. That means we're buying way more from them than they're buying from us and one more thing before i move on you know you hear all this on the on the news they're talking about how great the economy is it's growing inflation is way 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 down it went up 14 percent so far in his presidency and it's not way 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 down it's lower than it was thank god But I don't believe the economic news by what I hear from these reports. You know why I will believe it? When I go to the store, when I go to the gas pump, when I go to a movie, when I order something from Amazon, oh, my gosh, you're buying from the Chinese. You know what I mean. Buying things, getting services now are still way more than they were two and a half years ago. Costs aren't coming down. Americans relate to what we have left in our wallets at the end of the month after paying our bills. And my slim wallet gets slimmer every month from just doing the few things I do, spending around our house. I go to the grocery store for Marianne once or twice a week. And when I go, prices are going up still. I mean it. I shop that enough where I can tell you When a jar of pickles goes up or a loaf of bread or a pound of ground beef, I see that. And it's not getting better. And I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. My opinion. I qualified that. I'm telling you, that's my opinion. So why don't we move on from that? I'm not preaching gloom and doom, not at all. I'm just telling you things are being painted as being better than they are. Maybe they're better than they have been. I don't even believe that, but maybe they are. And I hope they are. But we're still, we're still watching closely. Now, we had some good news overnight come out of the IRS. I know everybody applauded this. They announced yesterday that the IRS is going to end most not end all, but in most unannounced visits by agency revenue officers going to taxpayers' homes. And they're doing this, they tell us, as part of an effort to address public confusion and enhance overall safety measures for taxpayers and employees. The IRS says the change reverses a decades-long practice by our IRS revenue officers the unarmed agency employees whose duties include going to households and businesses to help taxpayers resolve their account balances by collecting unpaid taxes and unfiled tax returns. Isn't that nice that they're really reaching out to help us? I've never had an IRS agent come to my office or my house, and I hope I never do people are still afraid of the IRS. Effective immediately unannounced visits will end, except in a few unique circumstances, and the IRS is telling us they will be replaced with mailed letters to schedule meetings. We're taking a fresh look at how the IRS operates to better serve taxpayers and the nation, and making this change is a common-sense step. That's from the IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel. And that's not the Danny Werfel that was a quarterback in Florida. (laughs) I promise you. It's another Danny Werfel. Changing this longstanding procedure will increase confidence in our tax administration work and improve overall safety for taxpayers and IRS employees. And there's far more to that story. But I just wanted you to get the gist of it. What that really is, is Joe was like, you know what? I'm really getting dinged bad out in the marketplace because of those 80,000 IRS agents that we we funded in one one of our bills. People don't like that. Well, let me tell you why. What did they use to sell that philosophy to most Americans? Well, we got to make the 1%. We got to make those billionaires. Some of them, many of them are not even paying any taxes, which is not true. But nevertheless, it sounds good. So we need all these 80,000-plus IRS agents to go out and make sure those filthy rich Americans are paying it. 80,000. Do you know how many billionaires there are in the United States? Let's just get a number right now. I'm going to Google this. How many billionaires live, are there, in the U.S.? That shouldn't be a hard answer to get. Let's see. 10 states with the most billionaires. Well, I'll I'll look at this order. This is from Nasdaq. They're not political at all, right? I'm just going to read it. Not ever looked at it. I'm just going to read it from the top. There are currently 2,640 billionaires around the world. 2,640 billionaires around the world worth a collective $12.2 trillion. Most of the world's billionaires are concentrated in the U.S., which is home to 735 So why did I bring this up? Well, we've got 80,000-plus new IRS agents, and they're out there working on getting those one percenters to pay their legal IRS tax obligation. Do you need 80000 to get a little over 2000 to pay their bill? <laughs> you know, they think Americans are stupid, they being this administration, those that are in it. Lots of examples of it floating around. Well, we've got a lot to get to the, today, and uh, I want to do it first. We're going to take our first break. But on the other side of this, Governor Greg Abbott, Texas, he is in deep doo-doo with the Biden administration. And it has to do with the governor's actions to keep Texans safe from illegal immigration at the southern border. If you hadn't heard about this, it'll frost you. That's next.
0: You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store. Expand into new sales channels and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify.
4: New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at HomeDepot.com/workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done? Register now at HomeDepot.com/workshops. No way!
0: Taco Bell's toasted cheddar chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted,
2: toasted six-month-old six old age cheddar, cheddar right, right onto, onto the shell of a chalupa. Best genius, no, no delicious, no bold. both, and now, now comes in a box the with a crunchy taco, taco
0: cinnamon,
2: cinnamon twist and a medium drink.
5: Whoa! <sighs> oh, sorry, this is this is my stuff. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The five-dollar toasted cheddar
6: chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks, excludes freezes.
2: You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes. M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
0: No identity politics. No political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: So here's some real news, some real truth. As you probably heard, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he decided because the Biden administration will not, will not control the southern border across his state, he was going to do it himself. Why? It's costing Texans, many people along the southern border. And now, all across the state, illegal immigrants are costing Texans billions of dollars every year. Not even mentioning the horrible drugs, fentanyl and other kind of drugs that are coming through Texas on their way to points around the nation. And then criminality. I've told you, the Texas Department of Public Safety is not releasing the same report now. But for three and four years ago, those two years combined, there were 600,000 criminal acts committed by illegal immigrants against Texans alone. And those illegal acts, they ranged from first-degree murder all the way down to just simple breaking and entering. Now, what is the governor supposed to do? His first commitment is to take care of the people of his state just like the first prerequisite for any president to be successful is to take care of the people of the nation. Joe's not doing that. Governor Abbott has got to step in to take care of Texans, and that's what he did. He put a floating buoy barrier in the Rio Grande River at one stretch where illegal immigrants were coming across in great numbers. So yesterday Abbott defended his authority to have that barrier, that buoy barrier, accusing President Biden of flouting US immigration law with his border policies and violating the constitutional rights of states, not just Texas, but also California, New Mexico, Arizona, constitutional rights of states to protect themselves from an invasion. Now, this is a letter Abbott sent to Joe Biden. The DOJ sent a letter Thursday of last week to Abbott accusing him of breaking the law. So Abbott announced in early June the placement of that floating buoy barrier in the Rio Grande to deter illegal immigration. Before that, he sent two letters, one in November, another in January, to the president that outlined the toll to the border crisis, what it presents to the state of Texas. Abbott hand-delivered the letter in June, by the way, which provided border policy suggestions to Biden while the president paid his first visit to the southern border. In a late-night letter sent to me Thursday, your lawyers, this is Abbott in his letter back to Joe, your lawyers at the DOJ threatened to sue the state of Texas over the floating marine barriers we have deployed in the Rio Grande River at Eagle Pass, Texas will see you in court, Mr. President. While I share the humanitarian concerns noted in your lawyer's letter, Mr. President, your finger points in the wrong direction. Neither of us wants to see another death in the Rio Grande River. Yet your open border policies encourage migrants to risk their lives, crossing illegally through the water instead of safely and legally at a port of entry. Nobody drowns. On a bridge. Governor Abbott said he intends to keep the barrier in place. To end the risk that migrants will be harmed crossing the border illegally, you must fully enforce the laws of the United States that prohibit illegal immigration between ports of entry. In the meantime, Texas will fully utilize its constitutional authority to deal with the crisis you have caused. Haven't heard yet what the response is going to be, but you can bet it's going to be a a biggie and it's going to make a lot of noise. And I don't think he's going to give in because I think Joe Biden, if you read today's front page story at truthnewsnet.org, just go read the front page. I wrote it, I wrote the article. And I called Joe Biden the dictator in chief. And I believe he thinks that's exactly what he is. Meanwhile, talking about one of these products that comes through Texas that kills thousands of people every year. The Biden administration is now weighing a plan to lift sanctions on China. Why would they do that? What is China doing for us? Well, they're trying to broker a deal to counter the fentanyl trade. Now, listen to this. These sanctions on China, they came from the Donald Trump administration, and they were placed on the Chinese Ministry of Public Security's Institute of Forensic Science, which, by the way, is accused of committing human rights abuses against Uyghurs and other minority groups in Xinjiang, and we're being told those sanctions may be lifted if this plan is enacted, according to the Wall Street Journal. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Chinese officials back in June. And he then suggested forming a working group to renew fentanyl talks. But China said there must be a lifting of sanctions on the Institute. Now, wait a minute. Okay. Okay. China's the source for all the fentanyl that is flooding across our southern border and across our nation and killing tens of thousands of people. And we're going to negotiate with the people that create it and, by the way, sell it to the drug cartels in Mexico for them to bring into the nation, and we're going to contemplate removing some sanctions so they'll help us with fentanyl? Oh, come on now. Fentanyl is largely responsible for the more than 100,000 overdose deaths that occurred in 2021 here. More than 100,000. Illicit fentanyl is made using chemicals from China that are synthesized by the cartels in Mexico before it is smuggled across the U.S. southern border. Now that's according to the DEA. China hasn't agreed to anything. And we're a little stalled on where to go, one source familiar with the matter told the Wall Street Journal. Antony Blinken, Secretary of State Brain Surgeon, Secretary of State, by the way, he didn't agree to lifting the sanctions while he was in Beijing. And that's a good thing. No member of the U.S. delegation offered to lift any sanctions on the People's Republican military of China. Their entities said we would consider doing so. Blinken's spokesman said, that's Matthew Miller. The secretary discussed a working group on fentanyl that would allow each side to raise and discuss their concerns, and we continue to call on the PRC to stop the flow of fentanyl precursor chemicals from China to the cartels. In other words, the things that must go into the production of fentanyl, all of the drugs, they come from China, and China's sending all of that And all the cartels are doing is cooking it (laughs) and then transporting it into the U.S. China argued, the U.S., that the sanctions on the Forensic Institute have prevented it from accessing U.S. counter-narcotics equipment. If the U.S. genuinely wants to resolve its domestic drug problem, then it should respect the facts, withdraw the sanctions, and stop smearing and scapegoating China's foreign ministry. Okay, I'm a I'm a negotiator. I'm one of those guys. I like to I like to. I'm a good salesman. My wife tells everybody that. Dan can sell a popsicle to an Eskimo. I don't know if that's true, but I like to put deals together where everybody involved in the deal gets something out of it. It can't just be a one way thing, or it's not a good deal. So what do we want from China? We want them to stop killing Americans with the drug, all of the stuff that goes into chemically manufacturing fentanyl that the cartels in Mexico are using. We want them to stop it. And so we have to give them something for them to quit murdering people? You think it's a good thing to negotiate with criminals? so that you want to give them something else so they'll stop committing their criminal acts? Is that what happens? That's Joe Biden's methodology. We're talking about Anthony Blinken. He's got a long history with me. He was a huge part of what happened in the Middle East when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. And Lloyd Austin, now our defense secretary, was the head of central command. He was over all of our military in Europe, the Middle East, and North Africa. When Benghazi happened, he's the guy. Lloyd Austin was the guy that called back those SEAL members that were in the air waiting for the GO to go down to Benghazi and land and save those people in the embassy, four of them that got slaughtered. That was on Anthony Blinken's watch and Lloyd Austin's watch. I don't trust them. And they work for us. Do you think the Chinese trust them? <laughs> you know they don't. If we don't, if I don't, I guarantee you the Chinese don't give a rip about it. You, they, you're going to have to give them something or they're just going to keep on trucking. And there's nothing that this administration can do. Well, why, Dan, the President of the United States, he can do whatever. And we're talking about legality here. This is all illegal. Yeah, it is. So how does this administration work? They do what they want to do, period. They don't care. They do not care. Tell me what's better in your life today than than it was January 20th of 2021. Look at your checkbook balance. Look at what you're paying at the gas pump. Oh, by the way, have you gone shopping for your new stove? Your new heater? Your new air conditioner? Oh, and have you paid the down payment on your electric car? All those people in Washington, D.C., ain't none of them driving around in electric cars. They're not changing out their heating systems, air conditioning systems, nor their stoves from gas to electricity. They're not doing that, but they don't have to because they're the ones in charge. And Joe Biden is the dictator in chief. You never heard this In the Biden administration, what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh Uh-uh. They do their stuff. We do our stuff. And the twain will never meet. In other words, they don't give a rip about us. They're going to get theirs. That's all they're there for. And if we, the people, get a little bit of good out of it, they're just going to use that, look what we did for you, to try to get you to give them a chance to go back and get it. One more time. Now, have you heard about all of the cryptocurrency stuff? Everybody knows now what Bitcoin is. That's kind of the universal language. When I talk about cryptocurrency, do you know anything about cryptocurrency? They'll immediately come back in. Oh, yeah, I know Bitcoin. Well, there's a whole lot of cryptocurrency that's not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the most famous and it probably is the cryptocurrency that uh, people have made more money with than any other. But we're headed in that direction. We are headed to the world of cryptocurrency. And I've got some news about it. You're going to want to hear it. OpenAI. That's the name of the new Cryptocurrency. That's the company name. And the CEO, Sam Altman, he's doing something that is brand new that nobody's heard about. I've got details right after this.
2: Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love And takes only seconds to make. Starbucks via Instant. The only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black-flavored lattes and iced coffee.
7: So, Ms. Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky.
6: Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day want to get away get the heck out of there with southwest airlines fly coast to coast for $99 or less by november 3rd
7: it was nice meeting you sir
6: yes we'll get back to you soon soon southwest airlines a symbol of freedom call 1-800-IFLY-SWA
2: out for some lays and you face a test which tasty chip will be the
1: sour cream salt and vinegar too you sample
2: them all because the crisp is so good on your lips yeah.
1: you left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend
0: the many flavors of lay's chips one taste and you're in love violence screaming obscenities heated arguments angry crowds Roller Derby? No. Election season. And your voice of calm is TruthNewsNet.org.
1: Have you ever been to Roller Derby? I've, I've, I used to watch it. It used to come on like late night when I lived down in Lafayette, Louisiana as a boy. It would come on like Friday nights, ten thirty, eleven o'clock. That's the only time I ever saw it. I've never heard of a match going on, but I do know... It was very physical. And uh, a lot of the teams were women's teams. And those women not only got physical with each other, they got really nasty. And, I mean, it was almost like professional wrestling. You wanted to see some fights, knocking people down. They all had on skates. And you could imagine with a big heavy skate on your foot what you could do to hurt somebody else with that foot. Violence. That's what B. Moss was just mentioning. So what about this Sam Altman cryptocurrency thing? It's called OpenAI. It's a cryptocurrency initiative that features a global ID. And it's not just going to be another cryptocurrency. There are plans to make it part of Universal Basic Income, UBI. And it's already been launched. It was officially launched yesterday. WorldCoin is a cryptocurrency project. It's placing orbs, ORBS, orbs around the globe that scan an individual's irises to discern whether they are a human and issues them a world ID which is we're told our global digital passport. In order to get one, one of those world ID Customers must book an appointment to conduct an in-person eye scan using WorldCoin's orb, which is a silver ball designed to verify humanness and uniqueness in a secure and privacy-preserving way. Now, this, my friends, is like the Twilight Zone. So we're told that there's going to be a beta period. You know, that's the testing period as WorldCoin rolls this out. It's already reached 2 million users and is currently expanding its global ARB deployment to 35 cities in 20 countries. Additionally, people who register in some countries will get WorldCoin's cryptocurrency token, WLD. OpenAI is the company that created the popular chatbots. Chat. Bots. chat GPT, which has a left-wing bias. The World ID has a potential to address the challenge of choosing or distinguishing humans from artificial intelligence while preserving privacy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Whoever owns it or runs it is going to have access to everything. There won't be privacy in this. Further, the project stated WorldCoin could enable global democratic processes and eventually show a potential path to AI funded universal basic income, UBI. People will be supercharged by AI, which will have massive economic implications. That's from Sam Altman, adding UBI as an example of that, asserting that world IDs can help prevent defrauding the social benefits program. UBI is a recurring cash payment given to everybody, regardless of economic background. That's according to Stanford's Basic Income Lab. First off, you need to understand, it don't exist right now. It ain't there. It's the panacea that everybody's talking about. Everybody on earth gets the same amount of money every month. Who's going to foot the bill? Well, if anything like this ever comes up, Do you think some of those African nations that are out in the middle of nowhere, they're natives, there's no kind of business, there's nothing going on there, there's no banks, there's nothing, do you think those people are going to contribute, step up to the table and help out? No. It would be, literally, in Sam Altman's world, it would be steal from the rich and give to the poor. And they, of course, determine the definition of the rich, and the poor, right? Moreover, Altman told Reuters yesterday that UBI will not be implemented until very far in the future. And he was uncertain of how the program would operate, but he stated WorldCoin is an important step on the path to its implementation. Just thought I'd throw that little tidbit out there. It's kind of a bombshell, right? I told you we had some folks that we want you to hear from today, and I want to get started on that. Did you know that the Democrats have gone absolutely freaking crazy over the Supreme Court of the United States? Now, it's not over the court. It's not over the process of the Supreme Court. It's over the fact that, oh my gosh, to quote Barack Obama when conservatives were griping about some of the stuff that was coming out of his Supreme Court. Here's what he said to defend it. Elections have consequences. And what the inference was there, hey, I got elected. I get to nominate somebody for the court. It's going to be somebody that's a far lefty. That's okay when Democrats are in charge. But when Donald J. Trump, the orange man, He actually got to nominate three people to the court and all three of them, oh no, what are we going to do? All three of them are conservatives and it's driving the left crazy. And so now, every once in a while, there'll be some little tidbit of news that pops up and it says, so-and-so, Supreme Court justice, traveled on a private jet for a vacation that was paid for by a constituent. Well, wait a minute. Supreme Court justices don't run for office, so they don't campaign. They don't have constituents. I'm a constituent, as are you and every other person that lives in America. They work for us. They answer to nobody, and that's the only way to keep the court Free which the Supreme Court is supposed to be, non-political. But Democrats are demanding a new Supreme Court ethics bill. Now, who's going to determine what goes into that ethics bill? John Kennedy, senator from Louisiana, weighed in on this last night.
8: All right, uh, this went along party lines right now, a crackdown on the part of Democratic members of the Senate Judiciary Committee to say, you know, the free trip thing and not reporting on it thing, uh, you know, with a host of, you know, Supreme Court justices, it's not going to fly, so we're going to come up with an ethics bill there. Uh, Senator John Kennedy joining other Republicans to say that that was not the answer or the solution, kind enough to join us. Senator, good to see you. You too, um, This ethics bill, the Democrats were saying it would mm-hmm. just hold Supreme Court justices to the same ethics standards that uh, I, I suppose you have in the
3: Senate and the House supposedly has there. What do you make of that? I voted against the bill for a number of reasons. Uh, some of the proponents of the bill have said that the uh, Supreme Court needs a code of conduct. That's not accurate. The Supreme Court has a code of conduct. You can go to uscourts.gov and read it. The Supreme Court amended it last spring, and it is talking about amending it again. Number two, um, I think the legislation brought by Senator Whitehouse is unconstitutional under uh, Article Three and our separation of powers doctrine. If you uh, read cases like U.S. v. Klein, U.S. v. Nixon, Buckley v. Valeo. Um, Collins v. Yellen, Uh, I I don't think that the Congress has the power to write a code of ethics for the Supreme Court any more than the Supreme Court has the right to write a code of ethics for Congress.
8: So the Supreme Court Um, should police itself and its own behavior. That's what you're saying. What if it doesn't, though? I mean, the same could be said. You're quite right about if the House doesn't do that or the Senate doesn't do that, then who does do that? But, But what do you think?
3: Well, they—you ask, what if they don't? They are—they are policing themselves. They have a code of conduct. Now, some of my colleagues will that code of conduct change? Like?
8: Will that code of conduct change the way some trips were not reported or gifts were not shared or publicized? I mean, do you know that? Not that it would matter if you could say like, already, to your point that you can't do that with another branch of government.
3: Well, it already has changed. It was changed last spring. Now, if you take, uh, if you accept food or expensive lodging or a private airplane trip, uh, you have to you have to disclose that. So it has changed.
8: So, with those disclosures, especially concerning Justice Thomas and a couple of others uh, that go before, I guess some of these revamped procedures. uh, What happens then to justices who might? violate that in the future. Does the Supreme Court have the power to say you have to go?
3: I don't know the answer to that. Um, I I just believe that under the separation of powers doctrine, Congress can't regulate the internal affairs of the court. And I also believe, Neil, that how can I put this? Uh, Sometimes Congress is like high school, except no one graduates. (laughs) <laughs> there are members of Congress that if if you do something they don't like, they will try to hurt you. And I'm not saying this is true of all of my colleagues. But I believe that for many of my colleagues, this this legislation is not about ethics. It's about um, the Dobbs case and abortion and Biden v. Nebraska and student debt. And it's about... Uh, No, no racial quotas and admissions. I think that some of my colleagues are angry at the Supreme Court, and they want to hurt this court. That's why, if they could, they would, uh, they would expand the court. So they can't do that. So instead, they're going to try to uh, destroy it from within. That's my opinion.
8: Uh, uh, Understood. Do Do you personally, though, Senator, have any issue with some of the things we've heard from a couple of justices? who did get very expensive trips and very nice gifts. I mean, would, would you, does that personally offend you in any way?
3: Well, under, under I, I've read the code of conduct and I think it's a good code of conduct. And you're supposed to disclose an expensive trip. Sometimes justices haven't done that. Okay. When it's been called to their attention, they have, a fi- they have filed amended disclosures. Uh, We're supposed to disclose that sort of thing as members of Congress. Uh, I do it. But if I forget something, as I have a number of times, I file an amended disclosure report. That happens all the time. But if you're asking me, do I think there are members of the United States Supreme Court who are bought or could be bought with a vacation? The answer, the short answer is no. And the long answer is hell no, in my opinion.
8: Got it. All right. Senator, very good catching up with you. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Federal Courts Subcommittee Ranking Member, among others.
1: So that's Neil Cavuto, who's with and is a longtime lifer almost with Fox News. It just sounded to me like Neil Cavuto is echoing what Democrats obviously think. First of all, they want to choose whoever is going to serve on the Supreme Court. They don't want any conservatives on the court because when matters that are contentious come up, that if somebody who is a conservative sits on the court, the left always think, well, that person's going to vote that way all the time. History proves exactly opposite of that. This court, its constituency, the history that is there with people that are considered to be leftist, those justices vote almost every time on any issue that comes before the court. They vote against a conservative ideal. But on the other side, conservative justices often vote against what we consider to be the conservative ideals. Why is that? Neil Gorsuch, when he was being run through the ringer in his confirmation process. He made it very plain to me. I'll never forget this as long as I live. He took those members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, he took them to task because Sheldon Whitehouse, he is the most verbose, arrogant member of the House Judiciary Committee. He's a senator from Rhode Island, very wealthy man. And he pontificates about everything. And he talked down, every time I've seen him be part of a confirmation hearing for anybody. If it's a conservative that's sitting down there that's being considered for some role, including Supreme Court justice, he automatically talks down to them. He gets in their faces. And he has that philosophy that it doesn't matter what you think. And he doesn't care who you are. I don't care who's sitting there. What he says is all that matters, and he's right, and you're wrong. They want to control the people that serve on the court. That's part of the philosophy that this Democrat Party has been and will continue to try to shove down the throats of the American people because they need to be able to control how the courts are going to look at any of the issues for any law that they write and that this president signs, they want to make sure it will not be overturned by the Supreme Court if and when it gets there. Does that sound like democracy to you? Does that sound like we have three co-equal branches of government? Not at all. Our forefathers were so smart they made sure that the court system was free of politicization, especially the U.S. Supreme Court. And the process for any contested issue to eventually get before the Supreme Court, that process is perfect because there is so much insignificant stuff that is thrown out there, Justice Gorsuch pointed out. He said, you, talking to the lawmakers that were sitting there, and they were talking it down to him and thinking about him. He said, you guys are the one that make the job for the Supreme Court justices so difficult because you, you're all attorneys. When you write bills, you know what the law says. Don't come to the courts and ask us to impute what you meant, what you inferred when you wrote that bill. Don't try to force the court system to determine what was going on in your mind. If that's the way you felt, put it in the bill so everybody will know. And we won't have to read minds in the court system. Doesn't that make sense? And a code of ethics, come on. (laughs) Like Senator Kennedy said, it's there. (laughs) It's been there. It's always public, and they made it harder once uh, several months ago. They went back, They, the court went back, and they tightened it down because there was some angst among some members of the Democrat Party because Clarence Thomas took too nice a trip. My gosh, how would you like to sit up there and have those people, those 535 people looking at you every day and second guessing everything you said, everything you said? Did I say everything you said? They're gonna question everything you said, everything you do, period. Well, now we're gonna get into some dirty stuff. We're going To the Biden family syndicate, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden, President Biden, Devin Archer, Hunter's old business partner, all of this. There's big news coming out every day about it. And the left is horrified. We're going to dig into that right after this.
9: Welcome to McDonald's, may I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get
7: a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a...
9: Yeah, a... can I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Bubba,
2: a... Pick me! No,
5: pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh...
3: Ten-piece Chicken McNuggets. And what
2: sauce would you like with that? Uh...
0: Getting tired of only spin while looking for just the news? No spin, just truth. Read and hear it every day on TNN, the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org.
1: Okay, let's get down, let's get dirty, let's dig into what is and what isn't regarding the President of the United States Let me just say this, President's narrative that he has stuck to consistently on never discussing business deals with Hunter, that narrative continues to crumble every day. More and more information comes out that not only says that he had business dealings with Hunter and his buddies and talked to him, but that it happened a lot. Biden's repeated insistence that he had no knowledge at all of Hunter's business dealings continues to crumble under the weight of allegations he was frequently involved, including reported forthcoming testimony from Devin Archer, one of Hunter's longest friends and business partners, that the then vice president was on more than two dozen business calls with Hunter. Devin was not just a friend. A longtime friend. He's the former business partner of Hunter Biden. He is scheduled to sit for a transcribed interview, not open to the public. Oh, man, I wish it was. But this is going to happen before members of Congress one day next week. They think right now it'll be Monday. In addition to this testimony, Archer is likely to be asked about Biden's meetings with over a dozen of Hunter's business associates while he was serving as vice president between 'o nine and 2017. Fox News confirmed that Archer has been subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee, and he's going to sit down for this interview on Monday, reportedly. It could cast further doubt on Biden's repeated claims. I knew nothing. I know nothing. Remember that, Sergeant Schultz? What was interesting yesterday... This was kind of odd. Corrie Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, she was asked by one Fox News reporter about this new information coming up about Devin Archer and did the president's stance on never talking to Hunter Biden or talking with any of Hunter or Jim Biden, Joe's brother, about their foreign business operations jean Curie, she changed what she has said before. She didn't say that Joe has never talked to any of Hunter's business acquaintances. She said, and this is a quote, the president was never in business with his son. Now that has not skipped too many years in media. It's all over the news today. And Corrie Jean-Pierre, she, did, she never does anything cold turkey. She's got that binder open. And every time a subject, part of a question is asked of her, she flips over in the binder and she makes sure she's on the right page and she reads what she's supposed to say. I don't know who the author of that was. But Joe's no longer saying, I never talked with or met with any of them. So what can we expect? What's up with this Devin Archer investigation? that he's gonna testify on Monday.
6: Devin Archer was Hunter Biden's closest business partner and friend. If anyone knows what was going on in those foreign uh, business dealings, it's Devin Archer. It looks like he's gonna testify this week because he wants to clear his name and give his side of the story. Uh, And ultimately, what Miranda Devine has done in this New York Post is lay out what he's likely to say, which is dozens of times, possibly even more, he would would just, Hunter would step out of a meeting or walk into a meeting and say, hey, you want proof that I'm your guy? Let me call the big guy right now. And they'd call the big guy, put him on speakerphone right there in the meeting. And they say he talked in sort of vague generalities in, the, in that context. But it proves out the lie that Joe Biden has not only not involved, but has no idea what his yeah. son is doing. Uh, there's, you could connect the dots on this story now with a crayon. I mean, this is between the WhatsApp messages and the 1023s and the whistleblowers and the laptop and now Devin Archer. I wonder whether this is gathering toward Hunter Biden himself having to testify.
1: Yeah, Uh, we'll get that, couldn't it? I think so. If Joe testifies about anything, it would be in an impeachment inquiry. And we're going to go down that road in just a few minutes. But before we go there, Jesse Waters, you know, he's on the new time slot for him, but it's the old tucker carlson show time slot he's taken over that show and uh i'll just say this on the side i like jesse a lot but he is not tucker carlson and the ratings on that show prove it all that being said tucker weighed in about this devon archer testimony and what it's going to do to or with our president
11: Well, the dam's finally breaking for the Bidens. Next Monday, Hunter Biden's right-hand man, Devin Archer, a lifelong friend and longtime business partner of the Biden family, will speak to James Comer's House Oversight Committee. He'll sit for a deposition under oath and possibly later testify live on camera. Miranda Devine at the New York Post reports that Devin Archer will tell Congress that Joe Biden spoke with and met with Hunter Biden's shady foreign business associates, Dozens of times. Testimony from a Biden insider like this will be devastating. Miranda reports that when Joe Biden was vice president, Hunter Biden was meeting with the Ukrainian energy CEO, dialed his father, put it on speaker, introduced his father, the vice president of the United States, to his Ukrainian boss and let his dad know these guys, quote, need our support. Three days later, Joe Biden flew to Ukraine and got the prosecutor fired, who was investigating Hunter's Ukrainian boss.
5: I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a...
11: <laughs> got fired. Donald Trump got impeached for zeroing in on that. And we have emails backing this up, that Hunter was hired to get his dad to fire the prosecutor. The Biden family was getting rich off you, the American taxpayer. The Biden family was putting their own financial interests over the interests of the United States. Devin Archer was in business with the Bidens for over a decade. Devin Archer says Joe Biden was on a first-name basis with the Burisma executives. His lawyer released a statement which read in part, quote, Devin Archer believes strongly in the rule of law and the democratic system and is prepared to answer the committee's questions, just as he's already answered similar questions from a federal grand jury. And this executive is the same one who says he has tapes of Joe Biden shaking him down for $5 million and says he has bank records proving he paid the bribe. Devin Archer will also testify that Hunter called his dad in front of his business partners dozens of times. It's how Hunter justified the bribes. He can get his dad on the phone wherever and whenever a foreign national wanted, as long as he was paying. This corroborates what Tony Bobulinski said. In fact, the same day that Hunter Biden shook down the Chinese for money, claiming his dad was sitting next to him and would be really mad if the money didn't come through, well, it turns out Hunter was in Delaware at his dad's house that very same day, taking his dad's Corvette for a joyride with two young women, putting Joe and Hunter at the same place at the same time. Archer's also expected to tell Congress about dinners Hunter set up between his dad and foreign business partners from Ukraine, Russia, and Kazakhstan. Emails and photographs also put Joe Biden at these dinners. But here's the catch. Archer's family has been getting death threats. Devin Archer has put off this deposition a couple of times. He's also about to report for prison for a year for ripping off Indian tribes. He's a convict, like a lot of the Biden's business partners were. And now the White House is panicking. Their defenses are shifting.
9: Chairman James Comer today says that the oversight committee, excuse me, has evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son, Hunter Biden, many times. Curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add.
11: For years, the White House Defense was Joe Biden never spoke to his son about his business, and now they're saying Joe Biden was never in business with his son. So what does that mean?
1: So there we go. Confirmation of what I just told you before you heard from Jesse Waters there. So this thing is is going around and around and around in circles. It has since Joe's even before he was president, and it just won't go away. So where does that bring us? What point are we at today? Well, we talked about earlier, impeachment is a possibility for more than just Joe Biden. Alejandro Mayorkas, he's the Secretary of Homeland Security, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Both of them have, in numerous cases, gone against their oaths of office, violated anything and everything that they're supposed to be doing in the respective jobs that they have. So you got Merrick Garland, light under oath. That's pretty well concrete. It's been proven. Alejandro Mayorkas, he's the one that's been suborning breaking federal immigration laws every day by finding ways to make it okay and easy for people to come into the nation illegally in direct contravention of federal immigration laws. And now, the President of the United States. So you've heard everything that I've heard. You've seen everything that I've seen for months and months and years about all of this alleged wrongdoing. But now, because we have a Democrat-controlled Senate, but, thank God, we have a GOP-controlled House of Representatives Real committee investigations have been happening. I mean, real investigations out front where the American people, we the people can look in and see in here and watch it for ourselves, which is directly opposite of what Democrats had been doing. Impeachment is now for the first time being mentioned by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But instead of just hearing from the House Speaker, I grabbed a piece this morning from MSNBC on Morning Joe's show. Oh my gosh, I have to hold my nose whenever I watch anything on MSNBC. But this one I wanted to bring to you because it does include Speaker Kevin McCarthy. They have him in here talking about where he stands regarding possible impeachment of the president. But I want you to listen to the reasoning of this group of far leftist and you're gonna laugh you may cry some too but listen to these stupid people that have no contact no relationship whatsoever with facts or truth
12: house speaker kevin mccarthy is raising the possibility of an impeachment inquiry against president biden He made the remarks during an interview on Fox News last night while weighing in on the Republican-led investigations into the Biden family's business dealings.
4: When President Biden was running for office, he told the American public that he's never talked about business. He said his family has never received a dollar from China, which we now prove is not true. We've only followed where the information has taken us. But...
9: And this is Speaker.
4: rising to the level of impeachment inquiry, which provides Congress the strongest power to get the rest of the knowledge and information needed. Because this president has also used something we have not seen since Richard Nixon. Used the weaponization of government to benefit his family and deny Congress the ability to have the oversight. I believe we will follow this all the way to the end, and this is going to rise to an impeachment inquiry. The way the Constitution tells us to do this. And we have to get the
12: answers to these questions. The White House spokesman for oversight and investigations, Ian Sams, later responded, writing, quote, instead of focusing on the real issues Americans want us to address, like continuing to lower inflation or create jobs, this is what the White House GOP, excuse me, the House GOP wants to prioritize. Their eagerness to go after the president, regardless of the truth, is seemingly bottomless. Jonathan Lemire, it strikes you, listening to Speaker McCarthy there, that other than that one phone call private phone call on january 6 2021 we have not heard that level of outrage that depth of criticism from kevin mccarthy about donald trump attempting to lead a coup against the united states government around the 2020 election taking classified information about nuclear secrets and war plans back to mar-a-lago he's held that for president biden and his son
10: Yeah. And let's fact check him right off the top. They
12: haven't proven
10: uh, that there was any wrong uh, doing here, despite what he said last night. And the House GOP is kicking up whistleblower after whistleblower, alleging wrongdoing, but have yet to provide any concrete evidence. Do they ever find the
12: fugitive guy, Lemire? Have Have they they found him yet? The
10: guy with the—was it the guy with the one arm? Oh, no, the arms guy. No, the he, arms yeah, 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 no, he's yeah. he's he's been missing. Uh, there's yeah. another guy who's, I believe, uh, under indictment, uh, in federal indictment because of his wrongdoings and this matter. Uh, and we, he, look, they had a couple members of the IRS came up last week and did testify that they felt like this should have been a matter that should have been prosecuted further about Hunter Biden. And then under oath, they also acknowledged that, well— actually superiors disagree with us quite a bit, it's actually pretty common uh, for it not to to happen. So Eugene Robinson, uh, people that I've talked to say that uh, the House is hell bent on some sort of impeachment. They think Attorney General Merrick Garland might be more likely candidate Mm -hmm. uh, than President Biden, but certainly they're not ruling out the president. And I just, if that, what sort of, if, if they do go there for an impeachment inquiry for President Biden, I just ask you like, where are we heading now? Is, are we in a uh, moment where impeachment, which was supposed to, is supposed to be rare yeah. and, and, and almost yeah. sacred, is just being tossed around like another political ploy? Is every president going forward going to face some sort of impeachment inquiry?
7: A uh, short answer, it looks like yes. I mean, it, it, it looks like that this is kind of the default. Position and uh, this much of this Republican Party in the House, at least, um, seems to believe or want to make people think they believe that the impeachments of President Trump were um, illegal, were um, t- totally political, uh, and so they have a. They believe they have a constituency that wants to see them strike back in the same way at. At Joe Biden, and I think Kevin McCarthy is responding uh, to that constituency, and so we may be in in that situation that you described. We may be in a situation where impeachment just becomes kind of a phase of a presidency.
5: You know, Elise, there's a comic aspect to uh, watching Kevin McCarthy speak like that. There's obviously a political aspect. But there's also a tragic aspect to it in the sense that is are we watching a democracy collapse in full public view, in plain view with these people like Kevin McCarthy getting on talking about impeaching Joe Biden rather than don't look over there. Don't look at Donald Trump. And if any of them were asked, could you tell us how you feel about Peter Strager? They wouldn't know. What I was talking about, or they wouldn't know the origin of that question. Peter Strager, who we just mentioned earlier in the news, a sentence of four years for beating a police officer at the request basically there in the capital of Donald J. Trump. They wouldn't know him. They don't care about him and they don't care about the country, I would say. Well,
9: I think. There also would be confusion over what exactly will Biden be impeached over this go-round? His son's shady business dealings—how is that connected to his presidency? What is you can say it's untoward, you can say it really looks terrible, you can say it reeks of corruption. But if the president is not connected, how do you go forward with an impeachment? And the—I guess they're alleging that the IRS didn't go hard enough at the president's son, that just doesn't seem to rise to the level when think of how many one percenters get away with so much every year from the IRS. It only furthers the argument we need more agents and we should actually get taxes from people who should be paying taxes.
12: We should remind our viewers, those former IRS agents that testified last week before the oversight committee raised their concerns to The Trump Justice Department, who didn't didn't make much of them at all. And as we've said many times in the show, if Hunter Biden committed a crime, show the evidence, convict him if he's guilty. And but they have not proven, as John points out, a connection yet to President Biden himself.
1: Ooh, okay. Let's break that down. I need to wash my hands or wash my ears, just listening to that mess. Oh my gosh. So you notice, it didn't take him long to segue away from Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Oh, I can't believe they're talking about President Joe Biden. Look at Donald Trump. Well, mister, I don't even know who you are. First time I've ever seen or heard you on a news report. Um, I think you guys, you impeached Donald Trump. Oh, and you impeached him a second time, didn't you? And oh, in both cases, it went over to the Senate for a trial, and he was acquitted both times. Do you remember that? And he wasn't charged with anything that even came close to the constitutional provision that determines why and when a sitting president can be impeached. That person must be found guilty for committing high crimes and misdemeanors, high crimes and misdemeanors. What high crimes did Donald Trump commit for those first two impeachments that he was exonerated from, by the way, by the U.S. Senate in a trial? There wasn't any. And nobody is talking about specifics yet which is different from you guys, you guys on the left. You don't need any facts out there. You go after Donald Trump, the mega mega people, anybody that you disagree with, you go after them and you throw them in the mud <coughs> excuse me. every time. Having facts and evidence is immaterial to those on the left. But there are a few questions that should be answered about Joe Biden. Yeah, Donald Trump had classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Many people think he shouldn't have had those, or some of them. But you know what? It doesn't matter what you or I think about it. He was president of the United States. There is a law that was passed regarding presidents, giving presidents authority to have classified documents in their possession. Now, Donald Trump had a bunch of them down at Mar-a-Lago, but Donald Trump did not have anything even remotely close in number to the classified documents that Joe Biden had. Well, we don't need to worry about Joe Biden. Merrick Garland appointed a special prosecutor that's investigating that right now. Yeah, how's that investigation going? Oh, by the way, how many classified documents did Joe Biden have? 1,800 boxes. And they were scattered all over the middle part of the United States. Had some at the Penn Center, which is where his think tank was. Had some... In Chinatown, he had some at a home, and then he had some in the garage next to the Corvette. Well, I mean, he's been in office for 50 years. He was a senator for almost 50 years. He obviously was going to have classified, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you know that there is nobody, nobody in government? that is allowed to have classified documents in their possession, but a sitting or former president of the United States. Joe Biden was not president. He was vice president. None of these classified documents, those 1,800 boxes, none of that came from his two and a half years of being president. It was all for when he was vice president and even when he was senator. So how's that investigation going? Does any of that rise to the level of, ah, you know, you're wanting to hang Donald Trump because he had all those classified, the nuclear secrets. You make it sound so sinister. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo Joe. Joe got that nickname. Because that's what he always has demanded of people. Hold everybody to the same account. Nobody's above the law. Mr. Biden, if you really believe that, you need to come clean. And answer one question for me. Somebody answer one question. Joe Biden made $170,000 his last year as a U.S. senator. He made a little more than that when he was vice president. But it wasn't like megabucks. And there's no big business history in the Biden family other than what's going on now. Oh, yeah, there is stuff going on now in the Biden family syndicate. There's no question about it. And if you want to argue with me, prove it otherwise. There are examples that are in your faces that you don't even want to talk about or consider. Four. Four. Joe Biden homes. Four. Four. Four multi-million dollar homes. Now, he didn't have any of those homes when he was vice president. So what changed? I don't know. Where'd all the money come from? Kevin McCarthy did not say we're going to impeach Joe Biden. He's doing something his fellow republicans are doing something that nancy pelosi's house of representatives never did they didn't go after facts they didn't even think about looking for high crimes and misdemeanors when they went after donald trump they went after donald trump because they wanted to go after donald trump and they ran it up the flagpole with nothing substantive and that's the way it turned out oh we impeached donald trump (laughs) ha 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 but he wasn't convicted And you went and impeached him a second time after he was leaving office. You wanted somehow to pin something on him that would keep him from ever living back in Washington, D.C., and certainly at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You know why? Because you're petrified. Donald Trump is the first person that I know of in my lifetime, and I'll be 70 years old this weekend, I became cognizant of what politics were in the early 60s. So I've been around a while cognizant of what goes on in Washington, D.C. Richard Nixon did nothing that rises to the level of what is alleged, at least so far, that nobody is saying it's absolutely true. That's what investigations are about. That's what an impeachment inquiry is about is going and finally having the authority to find out if something really rose to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors committed by Joe Biden. Never want to talk about Joe Biden, do they? What's that all about? They want to talk about Donald Trump because there is something, there is something. That young man that they were talking about, got he beat up a cop, I never heard of the guy. Do you think, do you honestly think Donald Trump ordered that beating to happen? That's what that MSNBC guy that I have no clue who he was, that's what he said. What does that have to do with the conversation about the wrongdoing, alleged wrongdoing of Joe Biden? I'm just one American. I can tell you this. I'm from South Louisiana, and there's an old saying that comes out of Broussard, Louisiana, suburb of Lafayette. It's much better to be pissed off than pissed on.
8: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity
10: of the man who's in the process.
7: Hey, what do you want to da-da-da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da-da-da?
6: Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday.
2: All the dolls feel like the same da these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh, no. I forgot to call my mom and her birthday. Oh, No. No.
7: These days, nothing
0: is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die.
7: Quote to die at Progressive.com.
0: Progressive Casualty insurance company and affiliates. So
7: you guys grew up together?
0: Yes, yeah,
2: since third grade. <laughs> what are you looking at? I, I'm not looking at it. We're not good uh, enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, was, I don't know. What do
0: you, that's
9: big that's supermodels?
0: Who's oh, us? Supermodels! What do you model, Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me,
2: Brad. Eat a Snickers. Why?
0: Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies, so loses.
2: Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Separating fact from fiction, arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth on TNN TruthNewsNet.org.
1: Have you ever asked this question, why, oh why, does the left hate Donald Trump like they do? And they deplore Trump. And they're minions. They call them legacy media, mainstream media, media sycophants, whatever you want to call them. We know who they are. They just chime right in. They're actually the amen section for the Democrat Party. Anybody in a Democrat Party, especially a leader, They just go, "Uh uh-huh, amen, we believe that too. Orange man bad. The American people are watching this play out. And we're not stupid. We're not stupid. Let me say this about Donald Trump. I mean this about him and anybody else. If there's wrongdoing there, if there's illegal activity doing there, I want it ferreted out. I want whoever was responsible for doing it. I don't care if you actually did the deed or planned the deed or facilitated the deed. You need to be held fully accountable pursuant to the rule of law. I don't care who you are. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, anybody, period. If Ronald Reagan had done those things when he was alive, and I think he may be one of, if not the best president ever, he should pay for his criminal acts, any that he did. And guess what? The American people are now more than ever agreeing with that, what I just said that you heard. Let me give you an example. We're in an election cycle, nobody wants to think about it yet. We're 16 months away from the 2024 election, and guess what? Up in New Hampshire, among New Hampshire Republicans, it's Donald Trump, our best. Now listen to this. If New Hampshire Republicans could pick their dream president from anybody alive, they overwhelmingly choose 2024 frontrunner Donald Trump. But 3% they said they would go for Ronald Reagan. Of course Reagan's not alive. It's official now. So they were asked up in New Hampshire to pick their dream president from anybody alive. More than a third New Hampshire GOP primary voters chose the New York property developer turned politician. Trump easily beats the field of 2024 runners as well as wildcards cards like Elon Musk or previous candidates like Mitt Romney, who was a 2012 nominee. He even beat Ronald Reagan, often picked by conservatives as the greatest president of all time. Although, given the facts he's been dead for about 20 years, he should not have snuck on to these results. So it's perhaps not surprising that Trump's 35% vote share is 10 times more than the leader credited with winning the Cold War and who gave his name to a brand of low-tax, small-government economics that dominated the Republican Party for generations— These results came in a new poll for Daily Mail that looked at the state of the primary race in New Hampshire, one of the crucial early states in every election cycle. It also found Trump lost ground with New Hampshire Republicans since April. He won the support of 42% of respondents. That's down from 51%. Trump remains a clear frontrunner, even if his share of support has dwindled a bit. But it's dwindled in part because of an increasingly crowded field of GOP candidates. The New Hampshire GOP vote is fully on the Trump train. That's according to James Johnson of JL Partners, which did the polling. Given the choice of anybody on earth to be president, they stick with Trump. And even though they rate DeSantis as best on a huge range of issues they picked Trump for the presidential nomination. Now, that doesn't mean Trump is unbeatable, but without a single challenger, he is the clear favorite for the nomination. Florida Governor DeSantis came in second for voters' dream pick, but Reagan, frequently ranked as one of the most important Republican presidents ever, can manage only seventh place. He comes below New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who benefits no doubt from home field advantage. He had 6%, but he's ruled himself out of running in 2024. Two candidates tie with Reagan at 3%. Anti-woke entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott have both seen their campaigns get traction in the past month or so, and they're tied by former candidate Senator Mitt Romney can't even imagine Mitt Romney as president. Yeah, I voted for him. But it was not a vote for him, it was a vote against Obama. Then there's a string of wild cards in the form of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, former Democrat turned pinup favorite of the radical right Tulsi Gabbard and billionaire Elon Musk, the arch libertarian and liberal baiter. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley joins them at 2%. Liberal comedian John Stewart gets on the list with 1%, as does former Secretary of State's Colin Powell and Mike Pompeo. Pompeo himself is ruled out of a 2024 run. Then it kind of goes downhill. There's a, a smattering of celebrities who chart under 1%. Singer Taylor Swift. Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, who was ineligible for the White House, by the way, because he's British. Actor Clint Eastwood, who did at least serve as a mayor, and fellow movie star Dwayne Johnson. The poll for Daily Mail was conducted from July 13th to 20th, has a 3.9% margin of error, 591 registered Republicans. Now, why am I telling you all this? We don't look at polls to be anything final, but it gives you a trend of where people are and they're thinking about whatever the poll is done about. And they're important, but not so much important in a standalone basis, but put in the context of all of the stuff going on, especially around this election in 2024. This is probably the most important presidential election of my lifetime. It really is, and I've said that about previous election runs, but I've never seen the United States anywhere close to where it is today. Now, we talked just a moment ago. Tulsi Gabbard got in that New Hampshire poll. A lot of people like Tulsi. I like her. Besides, she's very attractive from Hawaii. She's a conservative, was a conservative Democrat if there was such a thing. And she left the Democrat Party. She's not a Republican, not declared, and she's not running for anything at this point. But she, when she talks, she makes good common sense about a lot of things. And she got in the conversation this week about one of the most controversial things of, our genera- of, of this generation. Maybe future generations as well. What am I talking about? Gender reassignment surgeries. Kat Kamick, a member of the House of Representatives, called minor gender reassignment a Frankenstein experiment. Kamick slammed her Democratic colleagues for walking out of a hearing last week when she started playing a video of an expert discussing gender transition surgeries. Kamek is pushing to make sure no taxpayer funds go toward those surgeries, by the way. I couldn't believe these Democrats Democrats got up and walked out of that hearing. Two weeks ago, we published a story. Remember it? If you were looking in at truthnewsnet.org, it was about the number one transgender surgery hospital in the U.S. It's actually in Portland, Oregon. And an insider came public and we published the story as this person talked about the horrors that accompany any of this gender transition surgery. It changes those people for life. Democrats didn't want to hear any of that. Kamek, by the way, is from Florida. She said the surgeries that Democrats want to approve for kids is like a Frankenstein experiment. She slammed her colleagues in the Energy and Commerce Committee for refusing to listen to the facts related to these surgeries for pre-pubescent children and other minors. Kempick explained she believes Democrats walked out because they know the surgeon in the video was proving and affirming, perhaps unintentionally, that these transgender or gender-changing surgeries should not be performed on adolescents. This is experimental. This is, I want to say, almost akin to a Frankenstein experiment on, a, on children, she said. And she said that in an interview yesterday morning. There's no consent that you can give as an adolescent to change your anatomy. The Energy and Commerce Committee was meeting last Wednesday talking about funding for children's hospitals. Kamek claims that Democrats are not willing to address the impending threat of a doctor shortage without also including in any new laws the right for minors to seek and undergo gender reassignment surgeries. So after the panel took a recess and voted on whether to show the video, Democrats were seen getting up from their seats and walking out of the room. The video included clips of Dr. Blair Peters, of the Oregon Health and Science University Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Clinic, answering questions regarding their gender reassignment surgeries for children, children, specifically those who have not yet gone through puberty. The one thing that is very new is genital surgeries, Peter says in the video. The adolescents, for sure, present some unique challenges. The doctor continued, obviously, there's... Great evidence supporting pubertal suppression for a whole variety of benefits. But the one thing that is very new is genital surgery in someone that has underwent pubertal suppression. Peters admitted that as a specialty, those of us that do a very high volume of gender-reaffirming surgery, we may done a handful, a couple of pubertal suppression adolescents, And no one's published on it yet. Kamek said this is proof that these types of procedures should not be funded by taxpayers as they remain in experimental stages and remain highly controversial. Highly controversial for Republicans. I brought Tulsi Gabbard into that conversation. And she weighed in yesterday talking about a specific such young person, 13 years old. Here's Gabbard.
5: At age 11,
11: Chloe Cole was just a girl living in Central Valley, California, where like a lot of kids, she grew up roughhousing with her older brothers, playing outside in the dirt, playing video games. She was a tomboy. She found herself relating more to boys, struggling to make friends with girls and, and just not really fitting in at school. She got on her phone and started looking at social media, and she heard people telling her, well, you're obviously a boy stuck in a girl's body. Chloe told her family and her friends that she was a boy named Leo, and she began her medical transition at just 13 years old. Shortly after that, she had a double mastectomy. Her breasts cut off at age 15. After she had this surgery, she began to feel a deep sense of regret. And that is what began her journey to detransition.
3: I realized after maturing a bit
2: more that a child does not in fact know who they are at 12 years old. I realized that I wanted to be what I always was.
1: You just heard from Chloe Cole, that young woman herself. Here's the thing that just blows my mind. We raise children. It's not something when they turn Nine years old, 12 years old, or even 15 years old, that we can walk over and flip a switch and they're mature adults. It doesn't happen that way. But yet, this sudden, dramatic, and oppressive move to push transgenderism on a whole generation of young people, including everything from top to bottom, transitional surgery, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We used to be told every day, you've got to shut up and just listen. Follow the science. Follow the science. We heard that for two and a half years from Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then he got so mad one day, he said, I am the science. In other words, everything Anthony Fauci says, it means that it's fact. You can't disagree with him. But in this gender-confirming debacle that we find ourselves in. We're told no longer to follow the science. Just listen to what the experts say. That's all you're supposed to do. I'll refer you one once more to that article at truthnewsnet.org. It was either early last week, I think it was published last week or the week before, and it goes in to that Portland hospital, an insider giving Blow by blow. It's horrible to think that they're doing this to children, doing it to anybody, let alone our children. Back out on the West Coast, San Francisco Mayor London Breed is facing some real challenge from a multitude of challengers because of the retail crime and drugs in the Golden Gate City. A majority of the city disapproves of the mayor's performance. He faces challenges with Asha Safai, a former San Francisco Board of Supervisors member who's framing his campaign around rising crime there, and heir to the Levi Strauss fortune, Daniel Lurie, who is also reportedly planning a mayoral run. City suffering an onslaught of issues under breed, such as rising retail theft, homeless encampments everywhere, Downtown fentanyl markets. And this is from the New York Times. And of course, we know the Times is never going to tell something that's not true, right? Anything less than 10 people running in a race for mayor is a small field for San Francisco. That's from Jim Ross, a Bay Area political consultant, who advised former Democrat San Francisco mayor and now Democrat California Governor Gavin Newsom. Suffice campaign centers around homelessness, public safety rebuilding trust in local government. San Fran, a hub of tech activity, seen its downtown office usage drop after the pandemic. A third of offices in commercial buildings are vacant. San Fran has seen an increase in crime over the last 12 months, with homicide up 11.5% and motor vehicle thefts up almost 10%. It's just not good. It's not good. And folks, I got to tell you, we're not going to leave as a downer. It's going to get better. You hang in there. And we will get together tomorrow here at TNN Live. See you then.